0: Colossians. Uh, Many would say that this is the book that speaks of Christ. And so in the first part of our message, just hang on with me because I need to give to you the background and the context of the whole book of Colossians. You always hear us in this pulpit sharing you, reminding you that as we study a specific verse, we need to know the context. We need to know the the background of of the, the passage that we are reading. So the book of Colossians, as we... Uh, go to the background in the context of this it was written by Paul an apostle of Jesus by the will of God so we can see that in the first verse Paul would uh, introduce himself as the writer an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and including Timothy our brother so he wrote this under while under his first Roman house arrest we can see that in verses uh, in verse 18 all write this greeting with my own hand, again reminding them at the end of this, this letter to remember my imprisonment. So he was in, in prison. Now this is a different kind of prison because he's in, he is in a house arrest, meaning it's not the real prison, but he is actually free to receive guests, visitors, and he has this own like apartment where he can stay and he can talk and he can receive guests. He wrote this around 60 to 62 AD, uh, which coincides with Luke's account in Acts chapter 28, verse 30 to 31, where it was written that he stayed two full years in Rome, this is in Rome, in in his own rented quarters. That is his house arrest and was welcoming all who came to him preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness and unhindered. This is a different kind of imprisonment that he will have later on in a specific cell. And so he wrote this as a letter or epistle. That's the other word for epistle, a letter. And it was delivered by Tychicus and Onesimus in verses 7 to 9 in chapter 4. As to all my affairs, Tychicus... Our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bond servant in the Lord will bring you information. For I have sent him to you for this very purpose this letter, that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, a, perhaps a brand. Uh, later on will be a brand our faithful and beloved brother who is one of your number perhaps he is from this this city uh, this area called Colosse. they will inform you about the whole situation here now this letter was Written was given was addressed to the saints and faithful brethren who are mostly Gentiles. Although during this time there would still be some uh, Jews in these areas, but uh, it would be uh, it will consist mostly of Gentiles. So in uh, verse twenty-seven, chapter one, to whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And in uh, verse thirteen of chapter two. Next slide, you will, you will read there. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision in your flesh. Remember, the Jews believed that for them to be saved, they must be circumcised. And those that are not circumcised, they are considered non-Jews or Gentiles. So he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. So this letter was written for the believers in the saints and the faithful brethren in Colossians, in Colossae. So when we say saints, we're talking here of alive people. No? We're talking here of living persons, no? not, the, not the canonized uh, dead saints, but to, uh, to the living person. So you can say to the person on your left and your right, if you're a, an authentic follower of Christ, you are a saint. No, you are a saint. You don't need to die and be canonized to be a saint. You are a saint. So this was given to these saints and faithful brethren and for us today as well. So these Gentiles, mostly Gentiles, they are in Colossae, and that's why it's called Colossians, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Interestingly, he would also mention of another place which is near Colosse, which is Laodicea. (laughs) Oh, Laodicea, no. So Laodicea. So it says there in the following verses: For I want you to know how great struggle I have on your behalf, and for those who are at Laodicea, and for all those who have not personally seen my face. So we can see here that Paul haven't been to these places. They haven't seen Paul face-to-face, Paul haven't seen them face-to-face, yet he would uh, get to know them through a a person, a brother, later on we'll talk about him next. And then uh, in Laodicea as well, so Laodicea is very near to Colossae, Uh, this is known previously as the province of Asia, now known as Turkey. And uh, uh, Ephesus is very near also, so it's just east of Ephesus. So this, this, these are the, the part of the, the churches that are also mentioned in Revelations. No? And so th- that's the specific area where Paul would, would address this too. Next slide. And uh, why would Paul write them a letter? So this letter would be related to several good and bad issues that they are facing as reported by Epaphras. In verses 4 to 8, for since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, that's a good issue, their faith in Christ Jesus, and the love which you have for all the saints, your love for for one another, those are are good issues that they are having. And so Paul was commending them for this, for all the saints, uh, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, listen to this, the gospel, and which has come to you, just as in all the world also it is constantly being fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. So they have heard this gospel, they have heard the truth, next slide, through Epaphras, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bond servant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. And he also, by the way, informed us of your love in the Spirit. So imagine this with me. Paul was, was preaching one day in Ephesus. And so one, uh, there was this one guy, his name is Epaphras, sitting, listening to him, and he gets to understand the gospel and he gets saved and he undergoes perhaps uh, uh, discipleship with Paul and later on, Epaphras would go back to his mother or to his hometown, Colosse, and would start a church there. So this is one of the churches that Paul did not start, it was actually started by Epaphras. Yet Epaphras maintained a constant communication with Paul so that during this time when they're having some good and bad issues in the church, he would go to Paul and report these things to him. Next slide. So for this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you. So meaning they continued I mean they started to pray and they did not stop praying for them and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, take note of the word knowledge because during this time this is the time when this this, this false teaching about gnosticism Gnosticism comes from the word to know the knowledge that there is something uh, mystical hidden from from us, and those people chosen can only learn this by studying and so he will mention this this knowledge and he will be praying that they may be filled with true knowledge a knowledge of God's will his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding Uh, pastor Ed told me that uh, when we were traveling in the Holy Land uh, he mentioned uh, that we were there and he asked you to pray for us. And so I would like to thank you for, for praying for us. Uh, praying for one another is a, a very important uh, discipline and, 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 and expression of our love for each other. So thank you for praying for us. And uh, one of the highlights of our, uh, for me personally, of, of that trip was to also be able to pray for you. So in all places that we went, where Jesus went, where Jesus uh, was born, where Jesus died, where Jesus lived, where Jesus performed all the miracles. There's this one place that, that really touched my heart. It was the Wailing Wall. It's the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, and so it was that at very that very moment that 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 very moment that I knew why it was called the Wailing Wall. And the moment you touch the wall, you will start to wail. I start to will. And I praise God for, for that opportunity, uh, an unforgettable uh, moment in my life. So pray for one another. Let us continue to pray for one another. Oh, we prayed for one Every second and fourth Saturday of each month, we come here, we pray together, we pray for one another, we pray for our city, we pray for our community, we pray for our country, we pray for the world. So may I encourage you to, to, to join us in this regular uh, monthly day's time of praying together. And so they did not stop praying for them. Next slide. And since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. So Paul writes to them for two major reasons. One is to commend them, to commend them of their faith in Jesus and love for one another. The second is to fight false teachers, to combat false teachers and warn them against this unnamed. He would not specifically give us, uh, names to these false teachings, but we can more or less understand the, the issues uh, that they are facing, these false teachings, the principles that they are actually uh, having, that they have heard from Epaphras. And uh, the Bible scholars would call this as the Colossian heresy. Colossians, so they, give, they gave a, a specific name to these heresies. They called it the Colossian heresy. So what is this? So that we will be able to understand why Paul would mention the, the passage that we will study in a little while. Next slide. So this uh, heresy, this Colossian heresy, simply, it undermines Jesus Christ and the gospel. And this undermining, so undermining, you are putting low, you're putting down Christ. Because they believe that man is both evil and both good. And so because man is both evil and good, they call this as later on, they call this as, as they develop this false teaching, they called it as dualism. And because man is both evil and good, Christ, Jesus, may not have been 100% man. Because by being 100% man, he will become evil. And so they, they believe that Christ perhaps, maybe, did not become really 100% man, but he just appeared as a man. So he was not really man. And so this is one of the issues, the key issues, that all the apostles would fight and would contradict. And so because Jesus now is not 100% man, and they will also later claim that he's basically not 100% God, he has no power, he has no right, he has no authority to save us, to save them from sin. And therefore, it undermines the gospel. And so, they're, they're teaching them, they're showing them uh, other things related to philosophy, related to deception, related to uh, the use, uh, still the, the use of human, specifically Jewish tradition, like circumcision in sorts, of, of those traditions, worldly elementary principles, and everything are not according to Christ. And so in verse 8, you could, we will read there, see to it that no one takes you captive. It's like a warning to them that no one would be captive. By what? By philosophy. Yeah, through philosophy, that through empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. So these are the issues that that uh, uh, these brethren are facing during that time. Next slide. Now, against these false teachings, Paul would remind and explain to them and to us today, this morning, for us today, the real nature of Christ. So this is a good book on Christology, who Christ is. And there... And of course, in our time today, our position in Him. So He would, in the first uh, sort of chapter, uh, first and second chapters of Colossians, he would, he would remind them, He would teach them of the nature of Christ and remind them of their position, their identity with Him. Therefore, today, as we study this, the Lord is reminding us as well Of who Christ is and our position and identity in him next slide and so in in the the first uh, chapter particularly verses 13 to 14 he would start to write about God that through Jesus Christ he would rescue us from darkness he would transfer us to his kingdom redeemed and have forgiven our sins forgave our sins for he rescued us from the domain of darkness that's our previous uh, home and uh, Christ, through Christ, we are now transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So It is through Christ that we are saved. Next slide. He is also the image of the invisible God. So when they saw Christ, speaking of the apostolic uh, followers, the apostles, the 12 apostles, or 11 at least, uh, uh, they have seen God. And those who have seen Christ, they have seen The invisible God as well. And he is the image of God and the firstborn of all creation. Now, interestingly, he would use this term, firstborn. Firstborn has something to do with a physical birth. A physical birth. And also has something to do with spiritual birth. Firstborn. Next slide. And so all things were created by him, through him, and for him. For by Him all things were created. So as the Father, as God the Father spoke uh, in in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and succeeding uh, verses, He spoke that let there be like this, let there be light, let there there be some things, uh, some of this, some of that. The breath that comes out from Him, the Spirit, the breath, the power, the force that comes out from God, that is Christ. So that through him, as God speaks, through Christ, everything would be created. And everything would be created by him and for him. Both in the heavens and on earth. The heavens, the mystical, all of this uh, that they're dealing with right now, they're created by God. They're created through Christ. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Number four. He is before all things and sustains all things. He is the sustainer of all things. Why you are here today, why we're having this breath of life today, why our hearts are, are, are beating today, our, our organs are alive, it is through Christ alone. It is through Him that everything are sustained altogether. The sun, it's there in its place. The planets, they are there in its, their places. They are all sustained by Christ Number five, he is the head of the church. He is also head of the body, the church, and he's the beginning. And again, he would mention the word, the firstborn from the dead. So he would talk now of resurrection, that he would be resurrected. He would be the first. He would be our model. He would be our example so that one day we will also die and we will also be resurrected is the firstborn from the dead so that he himself will come to have first place in everything the supremacy sovereignty and the superiority of christ number six god's goodness dwells in him for it was the father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him because one of the things they believed in that they will teach later on is that when christ had his baptism, that was the time when he, the, 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 the Spirit of the Father came to him. Therefore, he appeared to be God. But we know that Jesus became man, 100%, and he's also 100% God. Next, and so that we are reconciled with God, not through other means, not through other persons, dead or alive, but through Christ alone and through him to reconcile all things to himself to God having made peace through the blood of his cross through him I say whether things on earth or things in heaven and so he would now establish the 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 the, the nature of Christ and our position in him as we continue Another purpose of Paul's letter is, is particularly in chapters 3 to 4, was to show to them how it is to live out as authentic believers of Jesus in relation to Christ and our relationship with Him, our identity and our position in Him. And so this will be now the focus particularly chapters uh, chapter 3 verses 1 to 17 because in the succeeding verses you would also talk about uh, how to deal uh, in the family you no know, as a husband as a wife as a child as a master as a servant and he will also talk about uh, the community how to deal with community as Christians okay and how also to uh, develop Christian friends and he will also talk about prayer in chapter 4. But our focus this morning would be from verses 1 to 17. A practical picture of what an authentic Christianity is all about.